gave my love a cherry that had no stone. I gave my love a chicken that had no bones. I gave my love a story Sorry.
rights. And You've just had a heavy session of electroshock therapy, and you're more relaxed than you've been in weeks. All those childhood traumas magically wiped away, along with most of your personality. Now is the time, time for Spud. Spud! Filled with the full rich flavor of potatoes. Spud, the beer brewed for people who can't taste the difference. When you say Spud, just put your mind on hold. Do what you're told and open a cold. Refreshing Spud, just watch your life go by. No need to try when you've got Spud.
psychological test we always do here. It's just a word association. I'll uh, throw you out a few words. Uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? It's just kind of an arbitrary thing. Like if I said dog, you'd say 
treat treat. <laughs> First, snow, bean, tree, spear chucker, white trash. Wait a minute, that might be him now. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Coming! Hi, Michael. Hi, Anne. How are I you? just made some martinis just the way you like them. Oh, great. Did I just hear a shot? Yeah. It's a funny thing. I was walking up the driveway, and uh, my gun kind of went off accidentally, and I shot a rabbit. <laughs> he was digging up your garden. Yeah. Uh, Michael? Yeah. Um... That wasn't a rabbit, that, that was Skippy. Man, I'm terribly sorry. I... No problem, Michael, no problem. He was getting old anyway. You sure? My God, in dog age, he was close to seven. Oh. <laughs> Sit down, Michael. Oh, I forgot to ask, how did duck hunting go? Oh, well, it's not really duck hunting. It's, uh, well, it's kind of deer hunting, even though I didn't shoot a thing. I am getting better.
I think you're qualified for this job. Uh, how about a starting salary of $5,000? Yo, mama. Uh, $7,500 a year. Your grandma. $15,000, Mr. Wilson. You'll be the highest paid janitor in America. Just don't, don't hurt me, please. Okay. Okay. You want me to start now? Oh, no, no, no. It's all right. I'll clean all this up. But take a couple of weeks off. You look tired.
Yeah. 
out of school, I said, you're long and tall. Now she sleeps in the kitchen with my feet in the hole. Yes, I'm the mother than the red heart. Yes, that she got a for sale, I mean. Yes, she got a for sale, yeah. That one's for you, Cecil and Virginia Ramos. Smell, sniff, a sniff, and take a breath. You can move your feet to walk, and you use your tongue to talk, but your mouth and nose are waiting. Take a breath, take a breath, take a breath. Smell, a smell, sniff, a sniff, and take a breath. You can move your teeth to chew, but your face is turning blue. Get some air inside of you, just take a breath. You never think of breathing, though you do it all day long. You even have to breathe to sing this silly little song. You got to take a breath before you try to blow a bubble. And if you stop your breathing, you got big, big trouble. So take a good deep breath. Take a breath, smell a smell, sniff a sniff, and take a breath. There are many ways to play, but you're growing every day, and you need your ventilation. Take a breath, you've got to do your breathing. Take a breath.
in every bar Been in every honky-tonk Been trying to find my daddy With that broke-down piece of junk Ask everyone to help me Cried, help me if you can You'll know my daddy He's that trombone-playing man Where is my daddy? Tell me where is my daddy With that big, long, sliding thing I even asked a man That played a steel guitar He said that you don't need him To be moved eight to the bar He brought his amplifier And he hitched it in my plug He planked it and he plunked it But it just wasn't good enough Cause I need my daddy Need my daddy With that big long sliding thing I said, mm, my daddy's back. I opened up the door, and there stood Piano Jack. He said, I came to do some tinkling on your piano keys. I said, don't make me nervous. This ain't no time to tease. Just send me my daddy. Send me my daddy with that big long slide. Thing. Well, the first time he played, I asked him how it was done. He said, I blow through here. Then I worked my fingers and my thumb. I slide it right out. Then I slide it back again. And I get a lot of wind. And then I
Liberty's brought 17 dead. Blackest black, South Africa. Camera, action, blood and shoes. Remember the mountains of shoes? The commemoration of 69 slain in Sharpville? The militia swarms down on the marchers, the township, and disenfranchised children become angry bands of roving youth, throwing rocks and epithets at billy clubs, automatic machine gun, tanks, cannons. It's sanctioned slaughter. Two cops transform a protester's head into mulch on the six o'clock news. Within minutes, the Patriarch of America too appears via satellite. Will he increase his hardline policy towards South Africa? No. The situation of apartheid is deplored by all, but these were rioters. And some of the police who stopped the violence were black. Video pornography. Piosis, he blames the slave for slavery, whitewashes and soft petals genocide. I'm out of my senses. Split, splat, hope of the lynch mob, land of the vigilante. World War II is now taking place, an economic holocaust. Who remembers Mary Smokes? Who remembers wounded me? Who remembers the night of the long knives? Kent State? Jackson State? Attica? The Greensboro Five? Geronimo? In 1819, I was stoned to death in the streets of Philadelphia by three white women. Who am I? Hello, for months later, I am fighting to stay in the classroom, no opened mind. I'm teaching Lord of the Flies, telling the youth about Manson and Jim Jones's Temple of Doom, sympathy for the devil, Altamont, Hell's Angels. And this girl looks up to me and says, are you making this up? Tim, who remembers the tongue of the man who has no tongue?
mission. Not a gig or a good time. I want a mission. This is one of these slick legs in the spare come walking my way with an achy step. Shipwrecked souls, desolation, paradise. Back in the wonderland of lost souls, staggering around, arms outstretched, cooking for something. Lonely hero man sitting on the crest of the apocalypse. And our boy says something like, uh, Hey, sir, I'm a man away from home, and my soul is out on loan. Could you throw us down a bone so I won't be all alone? Because I want to see it all, and I want to have it all, and I want to see it fall, and I want to take it all away. February 13th. Birthday news ripping around my neck, shivers up and down my spine. The time is mine, I'm feeling fine. And I take this one thin dime, call my mind on the phone and say, say something to warm her heart. Say, uh, your boy done fucked up. Had a bit of hard luck. Went down a wrong trail, messing some wrong people, just lost his mind.
trusty drill and he told me to open wide he said he wouldn't hurt me but he'd feel my hole inside long john long john you've got that golden touch you thrill me when you drill me and i need you very much Yes, when he got through, he said that will cost you ten. Six months from now, come back and see me again. Say you're supposed to see your dentist about twice a year, that's right. But I think I feel it thobbing. Guess I'll go back there tonight. Long John, Long John. Don't ever move away. Say, I hope I keep on aching so I can see you every day. Oh, Long 
from side to side. You say you're stuck around for just one last ride. No more strong you go, just as soon as you can. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Let your fingers do the walking. Let your fingers do the walking. Let your fingers do the walk. Let your fingers do the walking. You spend so much time telling me about yourself and your kind. There's so many of you now, and I want to know, how does your army grow, and so on, man, and so on, man, so go on, man, so go on, man, well, so long, man, let your fingers do the walking, 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 hey now, hey now, I got a halo above my head, and a gun in my hand, I can do no wrong, no wrong man, time stands still and takes a step aside, my credit is good anywhere, anytime, all the girls know my name, but there's none by my side, I'm a man among man, walking tall with a plan, you can send it around the world, you can hold it in your hand, you can bring it on home, I'm Armageddon man, it's written on the wall for a good time. FM, if you're listening live, stick around to watch a movie with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. And the word on the street is the movie's going to be full length.
Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready yes. to go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate at Venmo is, is at mutinyradio. Uh, you can go to muniradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it. Carte blank. Carte blank? Blanche. Card blanche separately, but with the with the video set up. Uh, yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out W A F L M O I T on YouTube. Because L W A F L M O I T is let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. So you're gonna listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already said the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. 
Yeah, we listen. If you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not doing it properly. You're That's not right. getting the you're full experience. No, nope. absolutely. We are parasites, and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to, <laughs> to 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 call attention to ourselves for two hours. So we. <laughs> So we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. Actors Filming. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's Actors Filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four 1994. Look for the uh, version hosted by acting, actors Actors filming. filming. Yeah. Not we acting did. filmers. Well, actors we, I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. This is the first time with Carl. And uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. Uh, you know, I, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. You go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube. And then it got yonked. And now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah, uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, the joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <clears throat> infamously, and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, Hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. <laughs> Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year but i was there yeah now that's unusual was, really is that because it was going to be a cover story you spent so much time uh well it ended up being a cover story so i was on the set for filming and and yeah um the, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the before the end of the year was because contractually if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year they would you know they would have lost the rights to the fantastic four this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to. This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, 
Yeah. Uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic, you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set the in, almost the entire time, the entire shoot. Which now, I don't, we I, did uh, Carnosaur on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Yeah, it's, well, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, I mean, where are you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards the beginning. I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted right. to say the word load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take, and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to so, have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place, and I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building, your experience uh, there? I don't. I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly, and I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur. We did a story about that. Then I was you know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It was just like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye and we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was, like whatever, you know, generic brand snacks like don't get fancy snacks you know so i, I thought that was really funny that's like that's, that's how how much he was pinching pennies now we saw the uh documentary doom to prepare our research for the film and in it you talk uh -huh. about how like at first you were very giddy to be on the film, I mean, you were a fan, you know but as time yeah. moved on you started to realize this was going to be a b movie yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of the sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes. And it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex. It was literally just spandex where, you know, they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled. The other thing was, <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for Film Threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters, right? The main four. And <clears throat> what I loved was their enthusiasm. The actors, Alex Hyde White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor, who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting 
for uh, he does he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone, felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, so, agree. So, so that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved, with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, it was just concerned with like let's just get this done and do it cheap the thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot so we had like all four characters right and we put them against the set and i hired this photographer for shooting and um this is a story that i told that didn't make it into the documentary by the way this is like a bonus feature here but the actress i believe her name is rebecca staub yeah she yeah. played sue storm invisible girl and this Let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So, wow. yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness, right? They're homemade. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it is an excuse to excuse, to, you know, make make them, you know, and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness. And yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be, you know, she should be, you know, a girlfriend who, you know, will just go away. She can just go away when she turns invisible. She can just disappear. <laughs> right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess. I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like. Look, I was a super fan. I'm like, the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, the we're now living at a time, we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of crappy geek, geek stuff now, but... Back then, it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh, my God. And, um, yeah, so so it was, it was for me, like, it was like summer camp, you know, because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. You're warning. And I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary, too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, stockier, thighs, huger. What, what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good, like... Like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film and 
they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I'm mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like, I know they were paid, but at the end, I guarantee they didn't really make, weren't, weren't paid what, what, you know, the time that was put into it. And I think that they looked at on it as like, well, this is going to be, this is for us yeah, going to be don't. like a portfolio piece, right? Like, and they really, really just put a lot of effort in that costume. They tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics. And I, I would say that it's more accurate than the, you know, other Fantastic Four film that came out later. And then the one that came out, you know, more recently, um, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With the, to the brow. Comic book is, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it, was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge yeah. stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. He, he had problems with it, right? Like, it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's yeah. what you're going to be, right? You should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the yeah. thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more, like, about blocking. Did you see – did you have an impression, like, uh, this is a little rinky-dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like, if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would, like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they – were you know portrayed in the comic book i'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new fantastic four movie i think i think based on sort of the direction that marvel's going i think it'll be pretty awful uh, mm -hmm. i really don't have a lot of faith in it but this is this was but if this were a movie to be released in theaters i think it would be kind of lackluster i mean you know johnny storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very end of the movie right one sort of last shot that was very early digital like before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic, like they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a, that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he... Yes, I, he, I mean Stan is. I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's gonna gonna be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand, and yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah, because like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation. That it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so so what can you say? But but, you know, that was, this is pre, like, Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just, like, trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were, there were you know, there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah right. we all know the Captain America movie, don't remind me. But then there was also, like, 
the television series. There was um, Spider Man. You know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show with yeah. Ferrigno. Yeah. That was fun. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't the Hulk that we have now for Marvel. Right. But it was hey, it was it was a tragic, fun sort of you know Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde story, right? And then there was the Nicholas Hammond Spider Man show, right, in the seventies. Which Nicholas Hammond, by the way, has a cameo at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh! oh he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, uh, you, you see they're in, they're in the diner, and, you know, Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop, and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nick, kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, so we... Quentin Tarantino put him in there, and he plays the director who directs the Western, and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's kind of so. neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, we and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah, cheap. It was good. Now, was... I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film, and it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi... Avi Arad, Avi Arad, yeah. The Marvel guy. That was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do, do you agree? Yeah, I think that the, I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it, and, and that was it. I mean, obviously, I got a bootleg copy of it years later, yeah. but I also did a thing where we, um, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them, did a signing at the film threat booth in at San Diego Comic-Con and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like 2000 issues of that comic. A lot of people had already had